0: Coworker of yours.
1: Welcome to Speed City with John Massingale, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City.
2: Welcome to the show, Gearheads. It's John Massingale sitting in studio with Les Kaiser and Jonathan yep. Green. Morning. And we are going to wrap up the Singapore Grand Prix. And we're going to talk a little IndyCar. But, guys, let's start off with the Singapore Grand Prix. Not the most exciting Formula One race I've ever seen.
3: No. Uh, It it had so much expectations. And I thought, well, after the first uh, safety car, you know, or the first caution when Ocon went off, I thought, okay, we're in for something special here. But it wasn't.
4: Honestly, I I think if it wasn't for the tired judgment calls that were... We're not on point. Uh, we actually kind of called it. Yeah. We said it, if you got ahead of Botos, yep, we're set. It's it's done. Yeah. Honestly, quite at that point, and that's really about the only shakeup that happened the entire race.
3: And to be fair, Hamilton drove excellently. You've got to give him that. And he had, uh, and I agree with Julian Palmer. He won the race, um, yesterday, uh, with that pole position. Vettel couldn't do anything. Verstappen, um, got the better of him. They won in the pit stop battle, uh, brilliantly done. Botas was help, uh, you know, unhelpful in, in trying to help Hamilton, but I think what made it tough was understanding what they could do and what they couldn't do, you know? Um,
4: you know, when we were talking about the beginning of it, we knew we had to have somebody between Botos and Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To keep, to keep the race alive, quite honestly. And that was really the only race that went on were those front four spots. Uh, all the others, there were just minor battles back through there, even all the way back to the back end watching uh, Hartley. And so I... Yeah, it was boring. And that was because of the they managed to get the others in there. Honestly, it might have been more exciting had BOTOS, you know, cleared out the people between he and Hamilton and people had to battle with BOTOS. But I just don't see how that was going to change. You know, I, I remember last year, you know, we watched Ricardo run a great race and wind up up front with all of these other safety cars and things. So I don't know what uh, what's going to be. Is this just the way it's going to go for Singapore race? I love the night. I love the, it. It's a totally visual race.
2: But uh, I don't think this is. I think you can't say this for the future. That that's what you mean because yeah. of the safety cars and the rain and all the other things that can and usually do happen.
3: Yeah, and um, you know, I said during the race, I think to you, Les, uh one of the things you notice out of this is just how tough a job it is for the race organizers to. To, to, to make a race with so many sort of technical boffins working on... I mean, you know, effectively, Hamilton slowed that race down. Oh, yeah, it was um, tactically. Dramatic. I mean, tactically, because he knew that no one could get past him. In fact, Verstappen, you know, for whatever reason, he, he chose to slow the race down to save his tyres. The, the safety car or the caution helped him out. Um, and so it all becomes tactics. And it isn't, you know, it isn't a great spectacle, of course. Um, and But that, hey, there's only so much you can do. Jack Nichols was complaining about, um, you know, the fact that... Uh, Grosjean, uh, uh was in the way with Sorotkin, but they were in their own race. Um, but the rules are that the blue flags wave; you need to get out of the way of the leaders. Um, that them's the rules, folks. Yeah,
2: because it definitely they were. It was it was some of the most exciting part of the whole race. But they were <sighs> they were definitely breaking the rules. Uh, what else, guys? I mean, geez, it was. Uh... Yeah, you know, that's the expectations, like you said, you've got this fantastic venue, you've got this great environment, the cars look amazing into these lights and everything, and then and then we don't get the most exciting race. But I mean there's still a lot of a lot of things going on in Formula One, and we're gonna talk a lot about that today. We got new cars happening, the silly season. Right. But uh but the race itself, we should at least run down where we ended up. I mean, it was a horrible day for the Haas F one team for sure.
3: Yeah, I'm not great. And I can't really quite work out why. Uh, Magnussen just had such a rotten weekend.
2: Yeah, it's true. Well, and, and of course, uh, Grosjean didn't end up with a great weekend himself. A no,
3: Five-second penalty, yeah.
2: Yeah, with a penalty. But let's run down the list. So Lewis Hamilton wins the race from Vax Verstappen, then Sebastian Vettel, Valtteri Bottas, Kimi Raikkonen in fifth, Ricardo Alonso in seventh. And yeah, yeah, my
3: prediction of Alonso top five wasn't far off. He did, yeah, not too he, bad. he did run a good race, to be honest.
2: And then Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc in ninth, Hulkenberg tenth, Ericsson, Van Dorn, Grosjean in 13th, Gasly 14th, Stroll, Perez, Hartley, Magnussen in 18th, and Sirotkin, then, of course, Esteban Ocon out of the race at the very beginning of the race with the collision with Perez. That was pretty ugly.
3: Yeah, and <sighs> Perez needs to go and have, a, what do you call it, a timeout. <laughs> um, but he does need to go and sit in a quiet room and have a long chat with himself. That, that was... Make him watch himself. Uh, yeah. yeah, I exactly. mean, honestly, you know, things are on the line right now. And if I were the new owner of the Point Force India, I'd be looking at what's the point of Perez's <laughs> petulance. Uh, because he basically took another driver out. That was like was Alavetel at Azerbaijan last year. He basically got frustrated behind Sorokin and took him out. He also took out his own teammate, mm, sighted or unsighted. Um, yeah. <sighs> You got to think that somebody's alongside you at the start of a race, whoever it is. Yeah, that's crazy. I agree.
2: So, and a timeout kind of feels like the right way because that he was acting pretty much like a
3: he was on a baby. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was on the he was on the you know on the blower as we call it in England. He was on the phone uh, on the radio, saying, "Look, um, get him out of the way. Tell Charlie." And it's like I, I always find that odd that that you know they complain to the principal. <laughs> it's like yeah, I can't get by. It's like, look, they can see, they see everything. And Charlie Whiting, who is the race director, and that's who he's complaining to. But I just find it odd that you're in the middle of an international race and you're basically sitting on the radio asking your team to tell the boss that um, the guy in front of you is in your way. You know, deal deal with it. They can see it. We can all see it.
2: Yeah. All right, well, so back to the championship. I mean, this is not good. 40 points. This is not good. 40-point lead for Hamilton over that now and six to go i mean again like we talked about in the pre-race show this is exactly where it went south for
3: ferrari last year it is singapore and and you know if 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 hamilton wasn't driving so well i he was having an up and down season you'd say okay 40 points uh six races to go anything had happen it's That's russia true. next and so on and so forth and it only does need one dnf um for Hamilton, and that could easily happen, um, and then you, you know, then it's all bets are off. But the way the last two races have gone down for Ferrari and for particularly Vettel, um, where he basically blew it at Monza, uh, he didn't blow it today, but he didn't give himself. He blew qualifying, and that really was the tale of the tape this yes, weekend.
4: I'll agree it, uh, it because of the passing situation. Uh, you know he like I said he was in front of Botas but he could have been better I, I really think he could have beat Max and uh, and done better today the the pit cycle yeah on those tires yeah, yeah. Uh, I, that was the the straw that just killed it for him I'd rather have seen him stay out maybe a little bit longer hang out put it you know go with a different tire choice and run it all the way to the end they were kind of risking or, or hedging their bet, I think, thinking Hamilton may be coming in one more time. And it just didn't,
2: you know, Hamilton manages tires great as a driver. Well, I didn't, I never did it make sense to me that tire move by Ferrari on Vettel. I mean, I, 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 I was like, when it came in, I thought, oh, he's going to the soft tire. He's going to go to the end of the race. And then we came out with the super soft. So I was like, wait a minute, what's the plan here?
3: Yeah,
2: it was odd, wasn't it? Yeah, I was like, "What are they going to do?" And and nothing changed. I mean, what were they betting on there? I don't know because Raikkonen came out on the soft tire. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, what what were they thinking? I don't know. I, I, I maybe it, I haven't it, had it, enough time to think through this, and it's early in the morning. But I I was like, where where what's the what's the philosophy there? Well, I don't
3: think we got it far off. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Julian Palmer questioned it the same way uh, during the race, um, and I, I I must admit. Uh, go online after the race uh, or after the the, the show uh, and listen to the press conference because I too will want to hear what Vettel's got to say. He's got a smile on his face on the podium at the moment, but uh, I'd like to hear what he has to say about their strategy because it just didn't work. It backfired for him.
2: Yeah, I just looked at... Uh, I was looking up the... the uh, Perez incident just on Twitter and like Will Buxton said that kind of moves is, move is ex- inexcusable at any level of, of racing outright malicious deliberate dangerous axe needs to fall hard on that uh,
3: well, that's pretty uh, I, yeah. I, I agree 100%. and you know this is not tantamount but not far off the Fanati incident I mean way more egregious but it was a purposeful crash he basically yeah not wanting to nudge him out of the way
4: so if you're not familiar with the Fanati incident in Moto2 last week What had happened was uh, the two riders are going down the straightaway. In that class, they're doing in the neighborhood 140, 150 miles per hour. Fanati is within a hand's reach of one of his opponents, and he reaches with his left hand over, and he taps his opponent's front brake at speed.
3: At that speed, and of course, unsettles the bike, unsettles the rider, and if he'd have blocked the front... Uh, or got it? And it, you know, who knows how Exastrous. much pressure he was going to apply? He could have killed the guy. I mean, he really could. And I'm not being dramatic when I say that. And uh, yeah,
5: you know, 140 miles an hour on a Perez's,
3: Perez's move, whether you like it or not, was dangerous, downright dangerous. So yeah, no doubt.
2: Yep. And so, I mean, at this point, with this lead that that Hamilton has, you said it that you could. It could get a DNF. I mean, Hamilton. I mean, Mercedes has had uh, some some troubles earlier this year, but it's been not been enough to really where you'd expect any trouble. But but you know, so well, what do you expect, Jonathan, at this from this point forward?
3: Like I said, you can never predict. Uh, Russia, which is next, um, can always be That's another true. another completely you know odd race. You're going to have Japan. A lot of chance of rain there. Um, Austin uh, probably more you know (laughs) probably more predictable than most. But then again, look at Austin (laughs) first corner at Austin. The whole championship could turn on its head in one corner. Um, So there you go. You know you never know. All right, guys. Well,
2: let's uh, let's take a look at. I'm looking down the grid today and seeing you know Alonso finishing seventh. I was a it was a good story. I mean with Alonso's predictions for the future and uh, retiring and all that but um any other stories come out jump out at you guys i mean yeah
3: magnussen didn't have a great day but i'm looking at the championship standings uh, he's ninth he's 1 point off alonso he's 4 points off hulkenberg and that race for seventh in the championship is still very much on um and i like i like i like uh, magnussen's chances to be honest <laughs> what about charles leclerc today ninth yeah You know, there's no question that he is driving that car way beyond its uh, level. I think we're going to see, I think we're going to have a sensational year next year. And I think that we're going to see, I think the intrigue will be more uh, about uh, the inter rivalry between not just Leclerc and Vettel, but also, I think, Gasly uh, and Verstappen, Hmm. uh, Carlos Sanz and Lando Norris. I think there's going to be some real inter rivalry into team battles.
4: I I totally am with you on that. I think the rivalry on you know in team rivalries are going to be the story next year.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think because of the way Formula 1 is uh in terms of the rules and in terms of where where it is, you, you do uh, you are expecting it's going to be another two-way battle. Hopefully a three-way battle, but I think the other intrigue, as as Les says, is going to be between those other teams. I think uh, between the two between the two drivers in each team. I should say,
2: yes, sir. And the other some of the other stories that are, are going to be where we touched on this in the pre-show is that Sebastian Vettel has had a history of uh, not dealing with that pressure very well. That's going to be fun to watch. That inter-team rivalry about how he deals with that pressure particularly Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari. You've know, you got to think about Ferrari as who they are and Vettel uh, being able to deal with that pressure. I'm going to be intrigued to see that. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion of the Singapore Grand Prix, but we're also going to talk about some of the other stories that popped up in Formula One this week about the new cars and some other stories. Listening to Speed City, we're live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages.
3: World Rallycross USA makes its debut at the Circuit of the Americas on September 29th and 30th. The FIA World Rallycross Championship presented by Monster Energy features head-to-head short, sharp racing on dirt and asphalt and a mega jump to boot. Experience the thrills, spills, and some of the most intense, exciting racing in motorsport. And that's not all. The stars of America's Rallycross will also be competing in their final event, featuring Kenny Block, Steve Arpin, Scott Speed, and many more. For ticket information, go to worldrxusa.com. Worldrxusa.com. Are you craving an adrenaline rush? Well, get your fix at Dirtfish. Get sideways on one of our race-ready Subaru WRX STIs or Subaru BRZs. Learn advanced car control skills on any surface in any condition. Test your skills on 12 different rally courses across our 315-acre training facility. Get your adrenaline fix by visiting Dirtfish.com.
0: Hey beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery.
3: MV Agusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Agusta and Ducati factory authorised technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Agusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the world Sport winning triple F3, 675, and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 Envy Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade in, consignments welcome, and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of Envy Augusta at 818 Break Lane, just east of I 35. Talk
1: 1370.
0: Hello, I'm Jenny Gaw from BBC F1. you are listening to Speed
1: City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City.
2: Welcome back. We're talking about the silly season a little bit right before we left about what drivers are going where, and we got a really good clip. Jonathan, why don't you set up this clip, because Paul Tarsi touches on a lot of this.
3: Yeah, by the way, every every race weekend, Paul Tarsi, who is a, a, basically an F1 historian from the UK and a commentator, um, we met at the Monaco Historic, and lovely fellow. So we've done a historical feature on every Grand Prix. So go to our SoundCloud, and you can check out the history of the Singapore Grand Prix, including Crash Date, which we played a little clip of. So um, it's about uh, 20 minutes, and it's like a full podcast. But um, one of the things we also mentioned was... We looked ahead to the 2019 grid uh, and effectively Paul kind of went through the runners and riders uh, and was spot on. Uh, and, of course, that picture is emerging uh, week on week as to who will go where. But here's Tarsi's take on going into Singapore and where we stand.
6: Stand it, And the, the gossip in the paddock is that what happened was that Sergio Maccioni had actually signed a contract with Charles Leclerc before he died. Um, and let's not forget that Sergio died unexpectedly so that there was a signed contract and that really Leclerc's people just um, enforced that uh, that contract. Who knows? We'll never know, but we do see therefore that change with Ferrari from the beginning of the 2019 season we will have Vettel and Leclerc. Now, I am really looking forward to that because if you remember when Red Bull was along and that we had Vettel was at the front of that and a young driver called Danny Ricciardo was promoted from Toro Rosso to Red Bull and that he was immediately a challenge and in a very short order, he was actually beating Vettel. Now, 2019... Who's going to be the fastest guy in a Ferrari? I don't know. I really don't. But we're then going to see Kimi Raikkonen, who will be swapping places with Charles Leclerc. And he's going to Sauber, sponsored by Alfa Romeo, a sister company to Ferrari. And that it would seem that Sauber are very much now the Ferrari junior team. I'm a bit I'm a bit puzzled by why Raikkonen would do this and any Formula One driver of his stature must now have more money than he could spend in several lifetimes so I I really don't know why he would take that step down backwards sideways whatever you want to call it Um, but he'll be at Sauber next year Uh, They haven't yet confirmed, but it looks like it's going to be either Marcus Marcus Ericsson or uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, who will be his teammate. The Mercedes are static that they will have Hamilton and Bottas, and that's great news because they can already start moving towards 2019, and there's, there's no variation in that. Red Bull will have Max Verstappen and Pierre Gasly uh, I think we could we could see an awful lot of fireworks in that team. Neither of those two is famous for backing down or backing off. So the uh, watch the Red Bulls in 2019 with um, Daniel Ricciardo, of course, going to Renault, and that's going to be an interesting one to see just how he does. We've got the news from McLaren. Which says that their drivers for 2019 are going to be Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. Uh, who knows what McLaren are going to be doing? They uh, they're, they're talking about. We're putting out some uh, releases currently about you know this is a time of change and an almost dissing Formula One, uh, which I wouldn't have thought was the best thing to do if you're trying to get sponsors in, but but nonetheless, McLaren, Lando Norris, and Carlos Sainz. Haas, we're not sure yet. Um, Magnussen, Grosjean, Perez, I really don't know. We know that, although there hasn't been a formal announcement, Lance Stroll will be in whatever Force India ends up being called, because clearly now that it's changed hands, and Lawrence Stroll, Lance's father, is... uh, is the leader of the consortium that's bought that team and they won't want to carry on with Vijay Mallya's Force India name more than they have to. Uh, So we know it's going to be Lance Stroll and again Sergio Perez is in that frame, Uh, Ocon is in that frame as well, or the young Brit George Russell which would be would be great to see. Uh, Williams, Williams um, <laughs> it breaks my heart <laughs> uh, because they've, you know, they haven't they have signed anybody um, one of the greatest names in Formula 1 and they've lost their way pretty much completely I think at the moment and we'll have to see where that goes and the other one of course is Toro Rosso um, it looks likely that they're going to end up with Brendan Hartley and Daniel Kvyat um, which strikes me as probably a pragmatic, this is me being euphemistic, uh, a pragmatic decision as to who to put in the car rather than necessarily uh, the, the fastest driver. But um, Hartley and Kvyat look quite likely to be in Toro Rosso. So already what we're going to see, and you know, Singapore tends to be, around the middle of the silly season anyway. Lots of people have signed already. We've got the uh, the end, end last knockings will be signing soon. So it's going to be a busy weekend in the paddock too, Jonathan.
3: A lot there to take in. Um, a couple of names he didn't mention. Um, you are asking me, Les Kiviat. Yeah, he did mention. Um, what of Ocon, Van Dorn, and more... Out left field, but definitely worth considering, Robert Kubica. Oh, yeah, good point.
4: You know, uh, I think uh, that's a hard one to call. Another one, though, um, as far as a youngster coming in. So there's already rumors because the guy's got one of the most famous names in racing, Mick Schumacher.
3: Yeah, I mm, uh, too early. I agree. Too, too early. I, 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 Mick, Mick will be at the Macau Grand Prix with me. Yeah. Um, he's doing... He just won last week. Uh, he was All at... All three Lincoln.
4: races at the ring. Yeah, he
3: was... Uh, he's on form. He's on fine form. Um. And uh, I, I can see him as a junior Ferrari driver, stroke. Right. Uh, and many others. That team actually is full of them, including Marcus Armstrong, who we know from the Toyota Racing Series. But I met Mick uh, last year at Macau. He had the fastest lap at Macau last year uh, on the last lap of the race. Uh, I think he finished 10th. Um. But he is just, I mean, he's barely 18 then. I think he'll be 19 at the end of this year because it was his birthday uh, around November. So, yeah, I think we're a year away. But, yeah, I think it's great to put that on the radar, to be honest, because yeah. he's
4: coming. He's coming fast. I could see him coming up. F3, he's, he's you know cleaning the house with that. I want to, you know, there's an emotional tie to that name, Schumacher. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh sure. I, I, You can't deny it. And uh, I know it's still out there. So it's one of those things that you've seen him race in person. Is mm-hmm. he really that good in person? Does he have the character that you have to have in the paddock to I, be accepted?
3: I, I was amazed at his coolness, if that's the right word. Actually, Michael was quite emotional uh, as a driver. Uh, and I I, 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 my respect for the guy, given his circumstances, given his father's condition given his father's reputation, uh, I say that's one of the boldest moves. I mean, you try to be the son of Prince and go out on stage and play guitar. You know, I mean, that's, (laughs) you know, that's the best analogy I can give you at this time in the morning. But, uh, you know, he is, you know, up against it, let's face it. And and I think it plays against him to have a name like Schumacher. He had a, his start to his career was not, that auspicious, but now in F three and up against the best in F three, he's he's like you say last week proving his own, and I think he's he's a slow burner, and I think he um he, he and he's certainly not slow in terms of pace. Like I said, you don't get the fastest lap. I always look to who gets the fastest lap at Macau. It's a lottery like Singapore is a lottery today. Look at the fastest lap today, which we can't really count on because Lewis was slowing the p- uh, pace down. But Magnuson right. got the fastest lap at one point. I don't know if he held on to it, but um. You know, uh, the point is, yes, Mick Schumacher is definitely one to be watched. He's going to be on the radar very, very soon, uh, if not within the next year. But not, I don't think, in on the F1 grid next year. No. What about, what
2: about that when Hamilton was slowing the race down? To me, I was, I mean, I know you do whatever you got to do to win the race, but man, it was not very good entertainment at all.
5: Mm. Uh,
3: there, therein lies the rub as Shakespeare would say yeah I mean are we in the entertainment business or are we in the sports business uh, and we are in both uh, yeah. and that's the, that's the problem um, is that uh, I say it again you know the guys that do the rules Ross Braun and al have got a big big you know uh, weight on their heads to make this sport a more competitive sport to get more people involved to make sure we don't lose an Ocon who is a huge talent um because our van Dorn. um and we also need to make sure that the rules and the and the passing is closer uh and this all goes to 2021 and the new rules package very
2: smoothly done i appreciate that you've taken us to the next story that we want to talk about is the the 20 the new cars and the 2021 yeah. rules because they had they released the first renderings of the new cars Where can you see them? Uh, You can sit them on F1 site. Yeah, go to F1 site. We tweeted them out. You can go to our Twitter account and check it out a couple of days ago. So you can scroll down and see them. But uh, they, you know, my first, my quick instinct when I first saw them, I was like, oh, they look pretty cool. They look like they're moving forward. They look like a progression. And they talk about, you know, the whole big, one of the big discussions around all these cars, Les, you brought it up earlier, was talking about. The aerodynamics and how is DRS going to be a part? You know, and 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 you know, because at some points in the discussion, they've talked about not having DRS at all because of the way the turbulence in the air behind cars makes it really hard to pass, and all those things.
4: Well, every car is going to have more turbulence from the tires. Remember, they're getting bigger, and so everybody's going to be dealing with that. That and tires are one of the the you know, instigators of the dirtiest air on the car, if not for the DRS. So that should be interesting in itself that all of that is changing. You look at some of the concept and, uh, the tires are up to the eye level of the drivers now and what they're looking at. So you've got a lot of things going on with that. Are they going to change the floor pan to help get the driver further down? Is there going to be a thinner position? They're practically sitting on the floor pan as it is. And so, uh, I think the tires are really going to be different. When you go to the bigger tires, you got to change your suspension around. you got to deal with those. So the architecture of the suspension may be changing as well.
3: Well, one of the things that they've been looking at, uh, and I talked to Sean Bratches about this, uh, and also, of course, Ross Braun's been looking at this, which is the front wing. Uh, they're spending millions on the front wing, uh, and, of course, it's doing its job, but it doesn't lead to overtaking. Um uh, and you need to get the cars closer to each other to overtake. The good news is they hadn't realized that the solution was staring them right in the face. Uh, after all these designs and all these concepts, the front wing will now be Chase Carey's mustache design. <laughs> Do
2: they have to I, wax it and twist it? I had no idea you were going there. <laughs> well,
3: it, 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 It's there. It was staring right at us all along. <laughs> it's hard not to look at it. Well, if you actually take a close look at it, uh, that is the 2021 wing. Oh, <laughs> uh, wh-
2: whose car was it? One of the Williams cars today? that had the little circle in the front. It kind of looked like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Speaking of Russ Braun, we're going to go into full serious mode because we have we're going to play a clip of Russ Braun that we had played earlier in the year. Actually, we had, and it's a fantastic clip of one of the you know the the triumvirate that are running Formula One right now. And he talks about the future of F1, and it plays right into the cars and, and the 2021 rules and everything. So let's hear this clip of, about uh, the future of F1.
5: Yeah, I think um, the reality is every team has a different set of objectives. Um, there's quite a number of teams who you know, want to do as well as they can, but they want a more sustainable business model because uh, um, the way the revenue is shared in Formula One at the moment makes, makes it extremely difficult for this, the lower half of the grid. Um, The top half of the grid um, are obviously happy with their results and they want to maintain the differential they have. And that sometimes leads to too big a range of performance across the Formula One field. I think we were fortunate last year in that we had a good competition between Ferrari and uh, Mercedes, and that's what it's about. But when you look down the field, there was too big a gap then between between the rest. And uh, we don't want to take away the incredible performance of these cars and the technology and the excitement. Um, but we do want to increase the opportunity for all the teams to be competitive. And um, that that needs, I feel, changes on all fronts, uh, technical regulations, sporting regulations, and the commercial revenues for the teams to um, cap off the amount the top teams can spend and then bolster the amount that the smaller teams have to uh to compete i think it's critical we have a vision of where we we see Formula one and i i find it very frustrating that people accuse us of spoiling the dna of of this that or the other i mean you know Formula one has a long history of incredible competition and it's the pinnacle of motorsport and why would we choose to damage that and i find it personally offensive when people accuse me of uh dumbing down the sport because that's we know if we did that we would we'd spoil the sport at its core and we'd spoil the commercial uh it, 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 and would spoil the commercial uh basis for the sport as well um but i think you know the teams at the top at the moment are probably spending two or three times what they were spending five or six years ago and yet you wouldn't say that five or six years ago the sport was dumb um And so it's just a question of degree, and we have to help the teams at the top recognize and realize that to have a sport for the future, we've got to rebase uh, the the commercial revenues for the team, we've got to rebase the amount of scope that the teams are allowed to uh, explore technically in order to give uh, a more exciting competition.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating from Ross Braun. All right, guys, we got to go straight to a break. We're overdue. We're going to continue this discussion when we get back from this. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin. Back up to these messages.
3: World Rallycross USA makes its debut at the Circuit of the Americas on September 29th and 30th. The FIA World Rallycross Championship, presented by Monster Energy, features head-to-head short, sharp racing on dirt and asphalt and a mega jump to boot. Experience the thrill spills and some of the most intense, exciting racing in motorsport. And that's not all. The stars of America's Rallycross will also be competing in their final event, featuring Kenny Block, Steve Arpin, Scott Speed, and many more. For ticket information, go to worldrxusa.com. WorldRxUSA.com. Com.
4: The Austin East KOA Campground. Just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing at Decker Lake. Featuring amenities for every style of camping from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA.
1: To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com.
3: Have you ever wanted to be a race car driver? Well, you can at Dirtfish. Handle an all-wheel drive Subaru WRX STI or rear-wheel drive Subaru BRZ rally car at our 350-acre training facility. Learn how to control a car in any situation, on any surface, in any condition. Go fast, get sideways, get your adrenaline fix by visiting
1: Dirtfish.com. Lone Star Rallycross, a family-friendly, time-trial, loose-surface racing series with affordable events, quality competition, and an emphasis on having fun. Co-founded by multi-time SCCA solo and Rallycross national champion, Rally America class champion, and Pikes Peak hill climb winner Brianne Corn and her brother Kevin Corn. Race the same car you drive to work on Monday. Just 20 minutes from Circuit of the Americas at the state's only purpose-built Rallycross facility. Online at LoneStarRallycross.com. Talk 1370. Hi, Brendan Hartley. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio Speed City. How about old Brendan Hartley today?
3: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because in Tarsi's interview, he said that Toro Rosso, he thinks, will likely be uh, Daniel Kivyat and Brendan Hartley. I am not so sure that uh, France Tost is 100% committed to Brendan Hartley, to
4: be honest. I, I got to agree. As much as I want him there. Yeah, me too. I just, uh, there's been too many missteps, you know, his fault or not. There's just been too many missed opportunities. And, uh, You know, are are they gonna? You know, without being inside that team meeting, are they blaming Hartley for some of the failures? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Who knows?
3: It's a tough. It's a really tough one. And I, I do believe that Brendan Hartley, in the right circumstances, um, is a very, very. He's proved he's a very, very good driver. And uh, I feel for him if he doesn't make it. But I hope he gets one more chance. We'll see. All right. Well, speaking of these type drivers
2: and teams and moving around, what do you think? We touched on earlier about the Haas F1 team, and you were thinking that. Gunther is a loyal guy. He's getting, but I, when I hear that in the highest level of any sport, yeah, loyalty. It's this is business and racing is winning and and it doesn't matter. All, all right, okay. Who do you bring in that does a better job? That well,
3: that was actually what I was going to ask you all because right. I
2: don't have a good answer.
3: I have o- Ocon would be absolutely. Uh, it would certainly if you. I mean, who do you want to get rid of first of all? Yeah, or do I, you
2: want to get rid of both of them? I don't have a good answer. Ocon, I mean, I suppose. I don't know. Is he going to
3: be any better? Um, You know, I don't know. I I don't think Ocon would work as a Ferrari team. Uh, He's a Mercedes asset. We've said it all along. That's been the problem uh, is that that teams won't take him because he's connected to Mercedes. And what that means is, is that whoever Ocon goes to, right? Let's just look at it this way. Forget Haas for a second. Whoever he goes to, Mercedes is going to have him back at some point. Or are going to put him in a Williams when it gets better, uh, or put him in the a good in a car yeah. that has a Mercedes engine in it, and it's not going to be Haas anytime soon. So that's where you've got to think. No, that doesn't work. So then you look at the Ferrari assets, and Kvyat is a Ferrari asset. He could possibly go to um, Haas uh, if you're looking at it that way. But why? You know, I, I, I honestly don't think that he would be better than either Grosjean or. Or Magnuson. I think both drivers are very, very good and very good in the Haas team. And yeah, you're right. It is a business, but at the same time, there's a lot to be said for stability. Institutional in the, in
2: knowledge is what I was about right, to say. you yeah. got that. You've
3: if you don't have an obvious better
2: solution then you maybe stick with what you've got. Maybe it's not really loyalty, it's in just being smart. Okay, these guys know the system, they know our people, they're comfortable, all those things. Yeah,
3: and you're making moves. I mean, look, they they, they got a penalty from Spa for, for, for not applying to the rules with the, the floor, right? Yeah. So they're changing the car each and every week. So it's a delicate uh, balance to do that and start bringing in either younger drivers or experienced drivers that don't know your system don't think I don't, I don't certainly don't see kiviat in that, and I don't think that Magnuson and and Grosjean have done anything to a point where you'd say, well, he's having a. I mean, yeah, Grosjean had some bad luck at the beginning of the season. Magnuson qualified him, um, but it Grosjean's bounced back, med, bad maneuvers too. That I don't know, Les. Uh, you know,
4: Grosjean's got experience on his side. A, a good uh, could be a good mentor. I'm I'm guessing he's providing good. Guiding feedback to the team, it gosh. uh,
6: Well, the question is: Are we really expecting
4: to be any further up than we than they are right now without another substantial investment into the business?
3: They could go with their reserve driver, Santino Ferrucci, (laughs) who is still on the books. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know (laughs) that's why I kind of say that. Gunter was asked about Grosjean uh, a a while back when he was having a, a you know a rotten time of it, and he said, "Hey." This guy stuck with us when we were nobody and, you know, risked his career to help us. So, uh, you know, so he was showing loyalty. He's done the same with Santino Ferrucci. He's kept him on despite the fact that the youngster basically blew his F2 career and he's now in Indy. But the kid's talented. And and again, you know, uh, you've got to give people second chances in life. Never mind Formula One. But you're right. As in life, as in Formula One, (laughs) it's the most cutthroat business. I mean, it's life at the expense stream that's no question so what about the future of Haas connected with Ferrari that is another good question because what <laughs> would well, the reason being that uh, Sauber is now clearly becoming a Ferrari junior team especially that's, when they've mm-hmm. got their second well they've got their only world champion um, in the Sauber with an Alfa Romeo logo on it. Um, so, as Tarsi just said, you know, is more and more the uh, Sauber team becoming the junior Ferrari team? And you have to say there's some strong connections there. They're putting Kimi um, as their lead driver next year. Um, who goes alongside him? And where do you look there? Yeah,
2: he, yeah, I don't know. It's a really... One thing I do know, the, uh, the Alfa Romeo you mentioned... Les you know, you and I were always talking about cars. I was mm-hmm. looking I was keep thinking about my next car and I was looking at the Julia. Man, that thing is an Moscow. amazing sedan. Yeah. I mean as Best handling, five hundred and five horsepower yeah. of a, a pretty
3: lightweight sedan. That's really on my radar. Uh, you should, and I'll tell you what—it's worth a t- test drive. I've spent a lot of time around Balfour Romeo for my superbike days because that was the effectively the the, the pace car was the Giulietta uh, and the yeah. The, it, I, there's no question. That's a beautiful, beautiful. Um, Oh. I was just sitting behind one at a light, and I went, oh,
2: man, I need to look into those again. And like zero to 60s in the mid-threes, mid-upper threes or something. And, and, but the and handling the, and braking is just phenomenal. i got to keep a sedan. I got—I uh, don't want to.
3: And I know there's a bunch of people out there going, oh, for a million, they break down all the time. No, that, was that was back in the se- yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was back in the day. Hey, Not we just, anymore.
2: We just got a tweet from Andy P. He likes to tweet us. It's great. And he's hes really insightful. I like this. He goes, he said, keep speaking the truth about the reliance or over-reliance. Of IndyCar gave us an example where downforce... uh, When downforce comes off the car, the racing comes alive. It's
3: pretty true. I couldn't agree more. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, eventually Indy could be in a position to not forget about... Well, to forget about push to pass because they don't need it. The racing's close. The racing's good. And in fact, their aero package has... And in fact, the one thing that did strike my mind, and I wonder if Andy P agrees with this, but when I saw those concept cars that uh, F1 put out, I thought, ah it's going the way of Indy. in yeah. term well in terms of look and in yeah, terms yeah. of, no, of a sort of you know i don't like the current formula 1 cars because there's bits hanging off them quite literally uh you know there's barge boards here and 15 15 rivets to your wing whereas a smooth lined aerodynamic one piece type feel to it with a lower wing and a you know a much more simple wing and a much more simple front wing Um, could make the racing a lot better and certainly that was Ross's point in that last interview and it is the point um, is that they've got to look towards that but uh, yeah India India Trailing a blaze at the moment, blazing a trail. I cannot wait to see lap times between Indy and F one and yeah, can't and compare Bates.
2: them. I want to though. Well, I, of course I you do. I, I want to spring. see spring. Ah, so, there's a story. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we, testing. Well, I was going to say there is a story. Spring, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And at Coda, they're t- they just released the. Oh, it was uh, February. I mean, sorry. Yeah, they're going to have the race in March here, the IndyCar race here in March, uh, and then of course they're going to have some uh, some testing, which would make sense with the warm weather that we get here in February and March compared to the rest of the planet so there's going to be some testing at CODA and I don't know if it's going to be open to the public yet we'll find out more about that but alright guys let's take another quick break and get us back on track a little bit and when we come back we're going to have I'm going to play another clip from Ross Braun because it leads right into some of this other conversation. You're listening to Speed City, we're live in Austin back after these messages.
0: Hey beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery.
3: MV Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the world supersport winning triple F3, 675, and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade in, consignments welcome, and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of Envy Augusta at 818 Break Lane, just east of I 35.
1: Lone Star Rallycross, a family-friendly, time-trial, loose-surface racing series with affordable events, quality competition, and an emphasis on having fun. Co-founded by multi-time SCCA solo and Rallycross national champion, Rally America class champion, and Pikes Peak hill climb winner Breanne Corn and her brother Kevin Corn. Race the same car you drive to work on Monday. Just 20 minutes from the Circuit of the Americas at the state's only purpose-built Rallycross facility. Online at lonestarrallycross.com. 1370.
0: Hey, this is Gary Garloff. I ride the number 31 Yamalu Graves Yamaha, and you're listening to Speed City.
1: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back. One thing I do know about the upcoming season, we
2: talked about silly season, different cars, different, all these different rules and all the next couple of seasons. I'm already getting excited about 2019, actually, with all this going on, because it is going to be fun to watch Leclerc and Vettel and, and, and Kimi at Sauber. And- the
3: shakeup of drivers is really interesting. I mean, how well is Ricardo going to do in a brand new team? I know. I've already uh, forgotten about that one. Right. So- <laughs> against the Hulk um who literally if he doesn't perform is gotta be on his way out uh Renault on the way on the way up and up as it were let's see what they can do but it's you know there's some really interesting stories you right we right. got a little
2: bit of time left you want to call and join the conversation tell us what you think about all this five one two six four three live five one two six four three five four eight three when we went to break I said we want to play another short clip from Ross Braun because with all these changes, with all the potential changes you know he's the he's the Formula 1 managing
3: director of motorsports yeah. so he knows what He's got a, a yeah. his opinion is valued here. And he was Michael Schumacher's chief engineer for his seven titles, oh, that effectively. Too. He was the Braun F1 instigator of uh Jensen Button's world title under the Braun F1 logo, so his own team. Uh he's won with Mercedes back in sports cars. This guy knows his, his stuff. Yeah. And he has a little bit of
2: influence considering his position. So the next clip I want to play is it's talking about the, the dollars and the budgets and the, the classic big team, small team. So let's hear from Ross Braun again.
5: My ideal um, would be that you, you control each team to a budget and then you become a little more relaxed about the technical constraints because if you can operate within the budget, um, then uh, why would you... A lot of the technical constraints, which are... Necessary to try and control the amount of spending that goes on, but if you control the spending at source and you get it to a limit that 's affordable for the majority of teams, then I think you can say why do we need to be so um, uh, to have such uh, restrictions on the technical regulations so you know, there's a balance there, um, but I certainly wouldn't see this as uh, i don 't think form one should ever be a prescriptive formula. Uh, I think there has to be that freedom and challenge for the engineers because that's all part of the magic of Formula One, um, and it's just keeping it in balance with with the human side, the driver's side, so that uh, the drivers can still be the the predominant factor, the the, the major.
6: Yeah, you
3: you start to get an essence there of what he's up against because when you make the decision to keep it open and not make it prescriptive, and what he what he means by that is, uh, you know, you could you could easily change the rules and make the racing closer overnight. But that changes the dynamic of Formula One, which is it is all about the boffins, if you like, the space scientists who go and try to find ways of design and aerodynamics. It is, you know, it's a melting pot for the greatest uh, minds of aerodynamics and engineering and um, combustion versus electricity and all the rest of it. So it, it really is science at 180 miles an hour. I've said it before. But... Um, and if you change that dynamic, well, it changes Formula One. And so you're always up against that because the problem is, as we saw it today, uh, is that the, the, those smart smart minds know exactly, that's why Hamilton was slowing the pace down today, uh, they know what they're doing uh, and they know how to play the game. So trying to, trying to keep all those m- massive brains um, in one direction and make it an entertaining sport is hard. All right. I want
2: to play one last clip from Ross Braun because it plays right into all of that. So let's hear this next clip from him.
5: It's not just a simple uh, technical problem. We have we have the political problem of what's the governance going forward. In other words, what role do the teams play? What roles? What role do we play? What role do the FIA play? So governance is a sensitive topic. The commercial uh, revenues for the team is a is a sensitive topic. Um, budget control, which is something we're very enthusiastic about, is a sensitive topic. So when you've got you know three or four channels or three or four areas that are um, being hotly debated, sometimes it colors or clouds other issues. So what would seem to be a simple technical challenge or um, objective is sometimes clouded because the teams are sensitive to other areas and therefore don't cooperate. But I think broadly speaking... Uh, the technical side, which we're discussing, is uh, well supported by all the teams. They recognise that if we're talking about solutions for 2021, they're not they're not um, uh, they're not affected in the short term. They're not disadvantaged in the short term, and we should work towards better solutions for the future. I think the I think Formula One is incredibly intense competitive engineering environment but it has to have constraints because if we allowed uh form one cars to have uh, to operate with no constraints um the cars would actually be uh impressive but we wouldn't have circuits we could race on and um we certainly would be getting concerns about the, the safety limits i mean if you if you look at the technologies which evolved in Formula One, that had to be stopped because the potential was so great that uh, we couldn't cope with the performance of the cars. Active suspension, four-wheel steer, ABS, active dynamics—you uh, know, there's a whole list of things which we had to curtail because the, the competitiveness of Formula One would have taken those technologies to such levels that uh, you know we could virtually have had driverless cars. Now, you know, we could have had cars where. the the driver's input was far less relevant than it is today. And we're trying to keep that balance of an engineering competition. uh, But also we've got these um, sportsmen, and we mustn't forget that, who have to make uh, a huge contribution to the final result. And so it's just getting that, that balance of, you know, an incredible engineering competition, but that shouldn't actually, at the end of the day, be the most important thing. The most important thing should be the drivers. Um, but we have the, One is fascinating because it has this added element of this uh, great engineering competition that's going on between some of the, the smartest people uh, in the world, quite frankly. And, and But they have to work within constraints. And so it's just defining those constraints for the future, which make it affordable Uh, make it spectacular and um, create interest from the fans and um, the enthusiasts around the world. Tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. He's got a point, though, there. Maybe Lauren Stroll, he picks up his new team,
3: could could go with the driverless car idea and then no complaints from (laughs) Perez, saving on the radio. Hey,
2: son, need would need a
3: radio. Uh, wouldn't need a radio. <laughs>
4: Oops,
2: but Dad, uh, but hey, hey. Dad. <laughs> hey, I don't want to forget. We uh, with IndyCar race. We've got the. We're gonna have the winner. Uh, obviously, the race is gonna to be too late for the show, but uh, we're gonna have the winner, and uh, we're gonna put it on our SoundCloud. So check for that later on. But obviously, we're super excited about IndyCar coming to Circuit of the Americas here in Austin. Big news, and a little more with news the on that here uh, coming up. We'll know shortly.
4: Yeah, a little more news on that this week. It sounds like they have settled and they will run the exact
2: same layout as Formula One. That's true. We well, did hear the confirmation on that. Yeah, and if they're testing in February, they kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying the whole time. It's like, oh, well, you're not going to have time to do a whole lot.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think originally there was some discussion about the, the series uh, turns five through nine, possibly getting a, a, a straight bypass route around it. Could happen. That That probably wouldn't be that difficult, but I honestly do like the comparison of the two on exactly the I same I did read an article,
2: a, a, an article recently, just uh, comparing them, and it was about, I want to say, on a minute and a half circuit, whatever it was, roughly, it was about five seconds difference. Mm-hmm. Now that was a long time ago. That was like five years ago, or or more. Well, now I, wait a minute. You just had
4: Hamilton improve his <laughs> time by how much over last year? Three and a half. Yeah, by by twelve seconds over the last. So we eight don't know who's going to make the improvement. And if but, you do
3: your full hundred and twenty seconds of push to pass from turn eleven to turn twelve on <laughs> on your on your first lap, yeah, oh, you never know.
2: Uh, this is really going to be fun, man. I can't wait to see this. I guarantee people are. Already frothing, the internet is already talking about it. I can't oh, wait to absolutely. see the numbers, but I can't eat. I'm, I'm with them. I know, Jonathan, you're looking at me going, it's different sports, different goals. Well, different I don't. Everything
3: I, I, they are such different beasts uh, that I don't like to make the comparison, and I don't like people saying, you know, oh, it's like super, Why I tell you where I come from on that is super bikes and motorbikes uh, as, and MotoGP. Yeah, is that MotoGP and super bikes have been compared for years, but there is no comparison. One's production based, the other yeah. is, uh, you know, an absolute prototype, which but is it's, kind of but it's still fun
2: to look at it that like yeah, you go yeah. hey my bike my street bike if I did this don't to think it
3: that just because you know somebody's three seconds up the road that one sport is better that's not the way it is nah nah
4: very different Indy cars has the history in the US and I'm anxious to see them here
2: yep it's going to be fun alright well let's see we want to make sure you know where to find us and how to listen to everything we've got obviously we're right here on uh, speedcitybroadcast.com on our website that's kind of the core the hub to go find everything but we put out a lot of content on SoundCloud And we are also very active on social, on on Facebook and Twitter. So we always put out content there as well. But thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you listening. And we will talk to you next week. Happy trails.
4: Ciao, y'all.